And welcome, friends, to the Generations broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you. Bill Jack from Worldview Academy also with me on this edition. And Bill, I am in the midst of revamping our ninth grade world history course for the Generations curriculum. And I think it's important for us to know history. I think we should know past history and current history. That is, what is happening right now? You've heard me say before, there are those who make things happen. There are those who watch things happen. And then there are those who wonder what happened, (laughs) right? Now, you think it's right for Christians to be among the third group? Not at all. Not right. No. Not right. We We should have a pretty firm grasp of what is going on. In our world, at least to the extent that these things affect us. Now, the interesting thing is that if you lived in China in the year 1320, probably didn't need to know what was going on in the UK or in England at the time. Yeah. That makes sense. But today, no excuse. Oh, absolutely. No excuse. Mm-hmm. You, you got to know what's going on in England today. So that, of course, is why the worldview.com. So we do a five minute update each day. And right. I look at that as the last 24 hours of God's work in the world that and God's it's, history, God's story is history, yeah. history. It's informative. And, uh, and it, we need to be update, up to date as to what's going on. It's brief. Gives you, it gives you highlights, but it also gives you insight yeah. to how does God's word apply in each of these instances. And that's part of the reason for this broadcast as well. Uh, it's, it's intending to be informative. We're hoping it's inspiring at points. I, th- I, thought, you, I thought we were just here talking to each other. Well, we're that too. So this it's is, kind of getting to know. This is, this is being recorded. Yeah, it's always been, been recorded. Yeah, what we've always recorded it. No, I yeah. just thought we came over here. And we it's, were just hanging out. Bill, it's intended to be edifying, informative, somewhat inspiring. Not so much you as me. Oh, I, I thought it was all self-centered about me. <laughs> Not quite. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, what I wanted to do in this edition of the broadcast, Bill, is to update folks on the financially prudent nations. And, uh, you know, there are many, many metrics that we could tie into this, but I just chose a few for this particular broadcast because I was just thinking to myself, what if the bomb went off, the economic bomb went off? Well, what if that happened? The big domino topples and I'm talking about in an internationally economically connected society. Uh, what if the big domino topples and you know what happens when the biggest dominoes topple? Now the little ones tends to, yeah, affect the little ones as well. And, uh, and then you get the economic debacle that just would blow your mind. So what, what, what if this happened, what would be the most financially prudent nations? And, uh, and so some of that has to do with gold reserve reserves. Okay. Gold reserves. Uh, only because, well, I, I happen to believe that gold makes for a fairly stable form <laughs> of money. Yeah. In an inflationary society in which Federal Reserve systems are attempting to maintain stability and yet compromising that stability at every decision these days. So total central bank gold buying in 2022 came out at 1136 tons of gold. It was the highest level of net purchases on record dating back to 1950. So so the central banks are buying up the gold. That's what's happening right now. And uh, it was the 13th straight year of net central bank gold purchasing. And uh, the year 2023 is turning out to be the number two year. So the last two years have been the biggest year of gold buying for the central banks since the 1950s. So since I guess they recorded uh, the amount of gold being invested uh, by these uh, national banks and central banks. 
Um, so who's buying the gold? Who do you think is buying up gold? China. Yeah. China and Eastern Europe. Uzbekistan, ten, nine tons, Czech Republic, two tons, Qatar, two tons. So typically Eastern Europe, uh, China, and the Muslim nations. So these are the people that are buying up the gold. Russia as well is retaining fairly high gold reserves. Now, what I did also, because I thought this would be interesting, was I wanted to try to identify if people started calling in the debts, where would we be able to pay off the debt using gold, say? Now, again, just a single metric. So I wanted to look at the gold to debt ratio for various nations, not all of them, but the key nations, the larger nations, the more significant nations around the world today. Well, it turns out the U.S. has 260 million ounces of gold, and that's a $500 billion in gold, and yet they've got $34 trillion in national debt. That doesn't include all the other forms of debt. It doesn't include the unfunded liabilities and such, but that ratio is 1.4%. How in the world would they pay off their debts with $500 billion in gold? Well, they're not going to do it. No. It's at 1.4%. Very low, extremely low. Okay. Uh, but Russia's debt, get this, is $200 billion, but they've got $150 billion in gold reserves. That's a ratio of 75%. Russia is way more solid than the United States. Wow. China's debt is $12 trillion, and some of this we don't know. They say they've got $200 billion in gold, maybe more, maybe closer to $400 billion. Hard to know. Their ratio is 2 to 4%. Japan's debt's $10 trillion. They've got $60 billion in gold. That's about 0.6%. So it's probably the most financially insolvent nation in the world today is Japan. Japan's been doing very badly for the last 30 years mm. Okay, in terms of debt. Uh, so the UK has 0.9% of gold reserve to debt ratio. It, Italy's got 5%. India's 3%. Turkey's 3%. Saudi Arabia's up at 8%. So the major nations in the world, the worst nations in terms of financial solidity are the US, the UK, and Japan. Those are the worst. The very worst nations in the world today are the US, the UK, and Japan. The best nations on this particular metric are Russia, Saudi Arabia, and possibly China. India, Italy, and Turkey are in the middle somewhere. So as a small nation that doesn't have much to do with world politics, Switzerland turns out to be extremely solvent, probably the strongest in the world today. Doesn't surprise you, though. Yeah, what is that one? Switzerland's always done pretty well. Oh, they're upwards of like tenfold <laughs> gold reserves to their debt. So yeah, they're doing very well. Thank you very much. But now this, this, this is key because the bible says the debtor is servant to the lender now you could believe that right you can believe the wisdom of god on this one or you could go with john maynard keynes the homosexual <laughs> economist so i you know again i'm, I'm talking you know 90 to 99 percent of economists say who cares what god says right yeah but i'm just saying that i think we should pay attention to what god says because i, I think this does make a difference listen to deuteronomy 28 starting with verse 2 Okay, now this speaks to nations. This, this speaks to how God blesses nations, specifically the nation of Israel at this time. So this is how he does it. 
Deuteronomy 28, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. The Lord will open up to you as good treasure, the heavens to give the rain to your land at season, and to bless all the work of your hand, you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall be above only and not be beneath, if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. What is he saying? He's saying, if you are obedient to me, I will bless you, and the way in which I bless you will be that you will lend to many nations. That's a blessed nation. Then down to verse 43 of the same chapter, listen, curse, uh, a curse on those nations that disobey the laws of God, the alien who is among you now shall rise higher and higher above you and you shall come down lower and lower and he shall lend to you, but you shall not lend to him and he shall be the head and you shall be the tail. Now, based upon this metric, okay? So Bill, again, trusting that God is wise, even wiser than John Maynard Keynes. Okay? I thought, let's just check out this metric. So I did a little you're research you're on this metric. kind of the bar pretty low there. Wiser than John Maynard. Well, I know I am. Yeah. I know I am, but I am specifically for those people who trust the present economy. Yeah. Uh, so what I wanted to do is I wanted to determine which nations in the world are the most cursed nations in the world on this particular biblical metric. Okay. So not so much the nations that, you know, like Mozambique with a population of 2 million and a GDP of 4 million. I, I didn't want to go for those nations, but I wanted to go to the movers and shakers the nations that are leading the world today. I thought, okay, well, which of these, which of these nations are doing well, which are experiencing more of the blessings of God and which are experiencing the cursings of God based on this particular metric. Okay. So here are the most cursed nations in the world by this particular metric. And that is the metric is how much foreign nations hold their debt, both public and private. Okay. Not just public. But in this case, it's public and private debt. How much of the public and private debt of these respective nations are held by foreign nations? Yeah. Okay. So this is the Deuteronomy 28 metric. All right. So number one, the most cursed nation in the world is Ireland. That's right. Is Ireland. As as a a debt per capita. It's a debt per capita metric. Okay. Ireland is is the worst nation in the world, has a homosexual prime minister, by the way, and has for the last five, five years, I believe. One of the few nations that's led by a homosexual, I think there's three or four. Uh, but yeah, Ireland is the most cursed nation on planet Earth right now on this particular metric. Number two, turns out, this is a shocker, Switzerland really? on this metric. A, f- a fair amount of their debt are held by foreign governments or foreign persons. Hong Kong's number three. Netherlands is number four at 3.8 trillion. Norway is at number four, five. The UK is at number six with $8.7 trillion held by foreign governments. Mm. United States is number seven at 33 trillion. Uh, Sweden is at number eight. Australia is number two, number nine at two trillion. And Canada takes up the 10th place at $2.7 trillion. The most cursed nations on planet Earth today are the post-Christian Protestant nations of North America and Europe, mm-hmm. Western Europe specifically. Now, I got to thinking, what about our enemies? Okay. 
Yeah. What, what are our enemies? How are they doing? We don't have enemies. We just have people with whom we disagree. Well, that. Yeah. Yeah. So we can be a kinder, kinder. So, so nation. it turns out Russia is at uh, number one fifteen. India's at uh, number one fifty nine. China's at one nineteen, and Iran is at two hundred three. In other words, among the major nations in the world, the absolute best situation in terms of nations holding their debt, foreign nations holding their respective debt. The, the absolute best nation in the world right now of, of the major nations in the world today is Iran. Wow. That's, Iran's at number one. India is at number two. Pakistan is at number three. Egypt at number four. China's at number five. And Russia is number six. In other words, the Muslim nations, the Far Eastern nations, the communist nations, these tend to be the nations that are doing the very best. And it's the Western nations, it's the post-Christian Protestant nations that have lifted the fist in the face of Almighty God and said, we will kill your babies and we will pervert sexuality at every point we can. These are the nations that are the most cursed nations on planet Earth, according to this particular metric. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are other metrics, but I just chose this one just simply because, you know, there it was in Deuteronomy 28. So Iran, Russia, and China among the very best nations in the world when it comes to this metric. And the very worst, the very worst, Ireland, Switzerland, Hong Kong, Netherlands, Norway, UK, United States, Sweden, Australia, and Canada are the very worst nations on planet Earth when it comes to this metric, the tail, not the head, the tail. And we are borrowing. We are not lending to many nations. And that's where we are today, my friends, on this particular, we are so foolish. Yeah. Bill, we are so foolish. We're so very, very foolish. The destruction that is to come upon us militarily, economically in the next 10 years, I think it will just blow your mind. Mm. It just blows my mind. Wow. Wow. Assuming, of course, that God's word is wisdom. Assuming that, of course. And remember that China is nine times more powerful than it was in 1980 as a percentage of the gross world product. So keep that in mind. It's nine times. China is nine times as a percentage of the gross world product, taking their GDP divided by the gross world product. They're nine times more powerful than they were in 1980 when Reagan was president of the United States. And uh, India is six times more powerful than it was in 1980. The U.S. has dropped a bit. The U.K. has dropped 40% in world influence as a percentage of the gross world product since 1980. Dropped off from 5% to 3%. Not very much, but I want you to think about this for a second. In 1913, the U.K., that is the British Empire, the U.K., as an empire, controlled 19.7% of the gross world product. 19.7%. That fell to 5% in 1980. And now, it's only at 3%. And believe it or not, believe it or not, church attendance in the UK fell from roughly 5% in 1980 to 3% yeah. in 2023. There seems to be a correlation, doesn't there, <laughs> between church attendance and prosperity and prosperity <laughs> as a percentage of the gross world product is that amazing yeah wow somebody just say wow could it be that deuteronomy 28 is true you, could it be that's yeah. true could it be this is the wisdom of god's word could it be that you need to believe god's word am i out on the limb right now mm, no i don't think so well rudy kipling was right and i want to tell you why in just a moment rudy kipling Lest we forget. Lest we forget. Rudy Kipling is next on Generations.
Hello, my friends. For the last 15 years, the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularists for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. And we're back on Generations, the UK, 19.7% of the world's product back in 1913, and now 3% bill. Wow, that's... That's about a 90% fall off on the influence of the UK on the entire world in just 100 years and ties in almost almost perfectly to church attendance. Church attendance around the time of J.C. Ryle was roughly 40%, fell off to 5% by 1970, now at 3%. And that almost exactly correlates with the percentage of the gross world product produced by the UK. Incredible. There's almost an identical correlation going on here. And I think the thing that's extraordinary is that all this happened in a period of a hundred years. Can you believe that? Which, which seems to many people as, as a long time, but it's not. It's a blink of an eye. And uh, you look at it at their height, at their peak, they were already beginning to slide. Yeah, and and absolutely. And you can you can. Rudyard Kipling could could see it. He could yeah, see it. He could see it. It reminds me of of uh, Thomas Paine's Common Sense and how he persuaded the American patriots at the time to resist and, and to declare their independence against Great Britain. And it was Great Britain, okay? Uh, it seemed that we did not have the resources. We did not have the, the, the ability to withstand the most powerful nation in the world. And yet he foresaw the rise of what we would be, and he already saw the demise in Great Britain. For example, he said, you know, that we do not have a Navy and they have the greatest Navy in the world. But he said, you analyze what they have and much, much of it is in disrepair. Much of it is scattered across the, the globe. And so we have the resources to build a Navy. Now is the time. He said, if we wait 50 years, he said, the, the leaders in the military who have fought the French and Indian War will no longer be with us. We will be without their experience. So he foresaw this and you take that same perspective and you, you pull back and you look at how Britain was so great and yet could, you could also predict the slide mm-hmm. because of the lack of faith. And as you said, it, it's, it's, it's a, an amazing correlation that you can trace the lack of faith, the slide in faith with their slide in prosperity. 
Well, Rudyard Kipling, 1897, wrote this poem, which uh, will, of course, continue to uh, be read throughout the remainder of human history. 1897, Rudyard Kipling writes, God of our fathers known of old, Lord of our far-flung battle line, beneath whose awful hand we hold dominion over palm and pine, Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget lest we forget the tumult and the shouting dies, the captains and the kings depart, still stands thine ancient sacrifice and humble in a contrite heart. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. Far called our navies melt away, on dune and headland sinks the fire. Lo, all our pomp of yesterday is one with Nineveh and Tyre. Judge of the nation, spare us yet, Lest we forget, lest we forget. Mm. If drunk with sight of power we loose, wild tongues that have not thee in awe, such boastings as the Gentiles use, or lesser breeds without the law, Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. For heathen heart that puts her trust in reeking tube and iron shard, all valiant dust that builds on dust, and guarding calls not thee to guard, for frantic boast and foolish word, Thy mercy on thy people, Lord. Rudyard Kipling, 1897. Hmm. Amen to that. And that's precisely what's happening in the United States. There's no yeah. way this nation will survive. There's no way the UK will survive. Unless there's a humble and a contrite heart. Hmm. That's one exception. If there was a humble and a contrite heart, God would turn this around, Bill. I think he could turn it around overnight. Yeah. I really believe this. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as you read about Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 4, and then Belshazzar, Daniel 5. Can I just put that together just for a moment as we wrap up today? Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, the decision is by the decree, the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He was walking about the royal palace of Babylon and the king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he wills. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? And then the very next chapter is Belshazzar. Belshazzar is the king, the son of Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, of course, the handwriting on the wall. Remember the handwriting on the wall? Yep. They're partying. They're having a good time. You know, using the vessels from the temple in Jerusalem and just partying down in the face of God 
And then the handwriting on the wall. And Daniel speaks again. Does O King, the Most High God, gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor? And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whoever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. And then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. Although you knew all this, and you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, they have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives and concubines, have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know, and the king and the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him. This writing was written, and this is the inscription that was written. Meeny, meeny, tekel, you farson. This is the interpretation of each word. Meeny, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and uh, put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be third ruler in the kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. So here it was, Babylon, the greatest empire on planet Earth. Now, look at it. Greece, of course, became the greatest empire on Earth. Alexander the Great, but look at it. It's the armpit of history today. Italy, the greatest empire on Earth. Now look at it. The PM just broke up with her boyfriend. I'm just saying, Bill, look at these empires. Nothing, nothing broken down. Spain was the greatest empire on earth. I'm doing the history of the Spanish empire right now. Mm. All that gold didn't do them a cotton picking bit of good, just inflated the money supply and destroyed the character of the nation. Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. The UK was the greatest empire on earth, Bill. Enough said. Enough said. Look what's happened here. There is a God who rules in heaven. So what do we do? Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. I think it's just that simple. Does pride make any sense whatsoever for Nebuchadnezzar and his son, Belshazzar, or for any of us? No. Pride, does it make any sense? It doesn't make any sense, Bill. Especially when you consider the vulnerabilities, well, of life, and the precariousness of power and money among the children of men, among these great countries, these nations, these empires, the precarious, I don't think people understand the precariousness of where we are today. And, and you're going to be proud right now. You're proud of the nation. Gay pride, Trump pride, whatever. You're going to be proud? Bill, I think that's the takeaway. America national sur- international surveys has proven himself to be the proudest nation on earth. Um, not, not good. I just think it was massively instructive that the, 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 the 50th year 
of the great pride marches around the world, you remember, mm-hmm. in the year 2019. Remember, we did a program on it. And you had all these gay marches, these pride marches around the world. The, the, the largest explosion of human pride on planet Earth in the history of the world, I think arguably, in at least, I think it was 300 major cities around the world, celebrated gay pride in the year 2019. And remember what I said, what comes after pride? And you said the fall. And I said, the fall is coming, Bill. And it came in the year 2020. And I don't think we're out of it yet. All right, my friends. Um, I think we're going to come to know what humility looks like over the next 20 to 30 years. I think we're going to, I think these great empires, Bill, these great economic powerhouses of the Western world, they're going to figure out what humility looks like over the next 20 to 30 years. I, I don't think that's stretching it. Uh, I think, I think we're going to find out what humility looks like. I think it's going to be happening sooner than that. All right. Well, friends, you've been listening to Generations. Encourage you to my book, Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West. This tells the whole story of 2,000 years, but specifically the last 100 years, the 200 years, of how the West fell. The most significant event since the fall of Rome is playing itself out right now And the book is called Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West. Get a copy at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.